You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Are you ready to talk Padres baseball? We've got you covered. Now is the right time to bring back Padres Social Hour as we await the start of the regular season. Fire Faithful, get ready to sit back, relax, and join the conversation. Now, coming to you from everyone's homes around San Diego and beyond, it's Padres Social Hour with your host, Jesse Angler. Hey, good evening, everybody. What's up? Welcome to Padres Social Hour on this April Fool's Day 2020. I said it yesterday. I don't want to get too deep into April Fool's, and I think people behave themselves very, very nicely on social media today, which I think is appreciated by society at large, uh, but we are going to have some fun on today's show. We're all we're going to mess around a little bit, not necessarily with a prank or anything like that for April Fools, but we are going to try and lighten the mood a little bit and uh, highlight some uh, fun baseball-related April Fool stuff. Also today, honestly, we're going to try and do our part to help you know educate the the local community here in San Diego and really anybody who's watching from anywhere. And by the way, I've already seen people checking in from all over the globe. Hello to Jeff Scott from New Zealand. I saw somebody in the Philippines. That's Gabe. Uh, great to have you both with us, uh, as well as everyone who's uh, here in town or, or wherever uh, you might be. But we're going to have some fun. We're also going to try and provide some what I, I think is really, really good health and safety information uh, and also ways that you can help in your local community, whether that is San Diego County or somewhere else. Bill Center is with us. He writes uh, for the Padres, longtime newspaper writer here, joining us from his, was that the study at the Center household? This is my this is my workroom. Yes. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Bill. Great to see you. Everybody, all right in your world? Everybody's fine. We're just we're 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 holed up. Okay. Very good. Well, I, I mentioned it was April Fools. I'd like to start by telling you some jokes. Are you ready? Okay. Now these come. Uh, we we talked about a little bit on yesterday's show. These come from the uh, the new thing on Padres.com. They got a bunch of activities for kids, word searches, coloring pages. They also have some jokes. So I figured April Fools. What better chance to tell you some baseball jokes? All right. Here's number one. Are you ready? Go. <laughs> Bill hates stuff like this. What are the I rules know. in zebra baseball? The rules in zebra baseball. Three stripes and you're out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is going to go on. Player, which player makes the best pancakes? Well, I would say Brady Phelps, but he doesn't play. No, the batter. Come on. Oh. Jesse, you know this is not my strength. No. Well, last one. And, and this is an oldie but a goodie. What animal is best at baseball? I got you. No, no. The bat. The bat. The bat. There you go. So those are the yeah. jokes, the fine jokes. Look, if you're like in third grade, those are very funny. And I think that's who yes, that's I, fine I, 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 would I thought it would be more funny. My daughter got all three of them. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought it would be more funny to, to drop them in your lap <laughs> and uh, see what you could do with that. Uh, so it is April Fool's Day, April 1st. Uh, if you go back to 1997, Bill, April 1st was opening day at Qualcomm for the Padres. They were facing Pete Harnish and the Mets. Uh, the Mets jumped out to an early Four nothing lead. This is one of the most memorable opening days, I think, in Padre history because they came storming back in a very big way. That's Chris Gomez, of all people, going big fly up over the old fence, way back behind the 370 marker at the queue. Uh, the next man up would be the Hall of Famer, uh, Ricky Henderson, and it would just go on and on and on, back to back to back home runs from Gomez, Ricky, and Quilvio Veras as the Padres stormed all the way back 
to beat the Mets 12 to five. What do you remember about opening day 97? Oh, I remember the the run in the sixth inning was amazing. What when you look back at it was what really strikes me is that back-to-back home runs from Chris Gomez, Ricky Henderson, and Kilby Overis. Gomez finished with five for the season. Henderson had six as a Padre that year, and Veras had only three. So this is this is pretty much a fourth of their total for the entire year. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And and that's like one of those great things that we would always say when something like that happens. Oh, that's that's the nature of baseball right there. That's the kind of silly nonsense uh, that seems to take place. These two guys, you know, hitting home runs, not only in the same game, but in the same inning. And that's basically all they do the whole year. It's incredible. Right. You know, in 1987, the Padres had a game where their first three hitters um, homered to lead off the game. Uh, Marvell Wynn and Tony Gwynn and then John Cruck. And they lost that game. That's uh, another one of those classic baseball things. Um, In 97, April of 97, obviously Kevin Brown arriving in 98 was a really, really, really big deal. I don't think anybody thinks you can overvalue and and over-discuss what he meant to that team when he arrived from the Marlins in 98. Uh, But did you start to get a sense that like special things could be on the horizon by, by that point early in the 97 season? I think when 97 started, the hopes were very high. They were coming off of uh, the 96 season when they won the National League West title on the last weekend of the season. Uh, 97 was not a good year. A lot of things just didn't go right, and it was a disappointing season. The big thing, of course, for 98 was when they they made the trade for uh, Kevin Brown. They did have to give up a lot. They gave up Derek Lee. But uh, Kevin Brown pushed him over the top, no question. Should have won the Cy Young. Yeah, yeah. All right, so that's a a fun thing. And again, talking about that, because that was this day, April 1st, 1997, opening day against Pete Harnish and the Mets. Uh, If memory serves my my Mark Grant stories, and I've got a lot of them in my head, I think Mudd and Harnish very close, maybe from time in Houston. Uh, Mudd's going to be on the show tomorrow. We'll talk to him about Pete Harnish, uh, who started that game for the Mets and was in there. I, I think Mudd has some very good Pete Harnish stories in his uh, in his holster, if I remember correctly. So we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, moving on, though, I, I put out a thing on, on social media today, and this turned out to be a lot of fun. Uh, Craig Calcaterra did it earlier this week uh, on his website, NBC at, at hardballtalk.com. It was a great website. Uh, but you know, everybody's trying to come up with different conversations to have about baseball, different things. Uh, so this, this became very participatory. And so I threw it out there on Twitter and Instagram. Certainly people can chime in now and we'll throw some of your answers up there, but you know, guys in baseball that you love to hate. Now this is nothing personal. Like this is just sort of part of being a fan. And, uh, so, you know, I asked people to send them in who are guys that as a fan, you love to hate. And it was kind of fun reading through all the answers, Bill. And uh, we've got some video here to talk about it. Uh, there were there were a lot of repeat answers, as you might imagine. But to me, this is one of those like fun parts of being a fan is that you can have like a completely, uh, you know, hatred maybe is the wrong word, but you can ha- like really dislike a guy. It has nothing to do with what sort of human being he is. It just has right. to do with how he might perform or act on the field uh, and perhaps against your team in, in, in particular. This name came up quite a bit for a lot of reasons. Uh, I would imagine Alex Rodriguez. Here's uh, one of his incidents over the years. He was going at it with Jason Veritek at Fenway. 
Um, A-Rod came up, I'm sure, because of uh, steroid stuff, because of this, because of the picture against the mirror, perhaps because of this play uh, in the ALCS. Doug McDavid at first base when he swatted at the first baseman's mitt to try and knock the ball out of his glove and be safe. That was a weird one. But uh, yeah, his name came up a lot. One of his teammates, Derek Jeter, his name came up a lot. Bill, what, what, what do you make of this? Guys, we love to hate as baseball fans. I got two umpires at the top of my list. I got Angel Hernandez and Joe West. I cringe when I when I see one of their when their names on the lineup cards. Rafael Palmiero also. I uh, just the way he handled himself in the steroid situation uh really dropped in my book. Uh Madison Bumgarner came up. Hey, look, here's your guy, Joe West There's on the my line. Guy. This was actually a game at Petco a couple of years ago. Bumgarner didn't like a call, and he and Joe West got into a stare down. It was one of the most absurd things I had ever seen in my life. But yeah, Mad Bum's name came up a lot. He's got an act that I think has worn thin a little bit uh, on the Dodgers, the Padres, and and probably a lot of other people in between. Justin Turner came up a lot. Uh, He's kind of been the heart and soul of that Dodger team. Not their best player, but the heart and soul, I think they would all tell you, of that team the last... Over many years, the hair and the beard may play a part. That's not for me to say, uh, but obviously he has uh, had some very big moments uh, on the field for the Dodgers the last couple of years. So asking Padre fans, his name came up a lot. Larry Jones' name came up a lot, uh, Chipper. Uh, so, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it, this was fun for me, like looking through all the replies and, and, and players that we love to hate. And so I broke them down into categories, Bill there's different kinds of guys to hate and, and reasons why. And I guess, uh, you know, these, these different ones kind of fall into different categories, but you have the guy you sort of like begrudgingly respect. Barry Bonds was probably the most popular answer, by the way, when I asked people, the guy you begrudgingly respect and like sort of, if he was on your team, you would love him. Like there are those guys, right? There's a lot of those, right. I, you know, you have the guys who are like legitimate villains. I think Bonds kind of falls into that. Ryan Braun was an answer. I got a lot from Padre fans. He falls into that. Here's AJ Pierzynski. That was another popular reply as uh, he and Michael Barrett are about to have an incident. There it is. Um, And uh, there's also like the random guy who just is always hitting against your team. You know, like the the sort of mediocre player or the the slightly above average player who, for whatever reason, just crushes your guys. Angel Pagan, when he was with the Giants, came up a lot uh, because of that. A lot of fun answers and, and stuff to kind of run through with all that. I like that. Tommy Lasorda. There you go. As a manager, I didn't ask for yeah. managers or umpires, but you've provided both. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, something different. Uh, I know. I know how Kurt felt about uh, Tommy Lasorda. What was your What was your beef with the longtime Dodger manager? I just thought that uh, his egotism just sort of rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, it's, he was a good manager. I got no problems there, but uh, when you start thinking you're smarter than everybody else and wanting everybody to know that, that's a little difficult for me. All right, that's fair. That's understandable. I've uh, I've only met Tommy in passing, uh, you know, different situation. But you know, covering baseball while he was the manager, I I can see where perhaps you might get that one. All right, there's one name I have not mentioned yet. I told you, got a lot of Braun, we got a lot of Bonds, got a lot of Justin Turner, got a lot of Mad Bum. There are others we can't cover them all, obviously. Uh, but perhaps the name that came fast and furious on social media when we put this call out there is a guy who's only played one season in the big leagues. You go, oh, he's only played one season. How could you dislike him that much? There he is striking out against Chris Paddock last year. (laughs) This Pete Alonzo thing has gotten to what I find to be a very funny level 
uh, like with the Padre fans and the Met fans, and even with Pete on Twitter last week, which uh, I would not have recommended doing. But uh, Pete Alonzo has uh, kind of cast himself, at least in this little corner of the baseball world, as a, a legitimate villain. He had 50 whatever home runs last year, rookie record, Mets record. He won the home run derby, looked very happy about it. He took his shirt off at one point during the season, as I recall. And uh, Pete Alonzo, a guy that for a lot of Padre fans is somebody they they enjoy rooting against. I can, and they love rooting against them. I remember when they were here, uh, the, the the crowd was very loud. But historically, you got to have you got to go back to really get the number one for Padre fans. Give it to me, Pascual Perez. Now ah, that's it. You're right, and you know what? We thought of that. Here's here's the proof and the evidence that we thought of that because we have video footage. And yes, uh, indeed, the the great brawl in 1984 in Atlanta, Pascal Perez, the pitcher for the Braves who started it all and this, uh, just went on and on and on all day. Uh, you're right. He's 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 an easy one and he might not matter to a lot of uh, fans of a lot of teams out there. But to Padre fans, I think you say the name Pascal Perez. They're going to know exactly what you're talking about. Best pitch Craig Lefferts ever threw. <laughs> How did people talk about that at the time? I mean, 1984 was a different world, obviously. What was sort of the, the coverage surrounding that series of brawls like? You know, the uh, what was stunning to me is that it didn't go away, that it stirred up and, and emotions still ran high. I remember weeks after that, the subject came up and, and there was a lot of grumbling in the clubhouse when it did. You know, we should have hit him earlier. And it was, they, that was a truly angry scene and aftermath. That did not go away. I believe that. I, I'm just imagining if something like that, like how many actual brawls were there in the game? I mean, it was like, it, it is flared up. Three. Three times. Three times. Flared up three different times during right. the game. I'm just imagining in like the age of Twitter, you know, that happening and people are live tweeting about it. Be like, oh man, you got to turn on the Padres Braves game. And then it just keeps going and going and going. People would have lost their collective minds on social media. The first time it was uh, a lot of push. Uh, first time was just a face off. Second time there was a lot of pushing. The third time it was an outright street brawl. Fans got involved. I mean, you saw the one guy throwing the beer. He's sort of the famous one. And the police at one point are attempting to do something. Uh, that's up there. You know, that's that's one of the top baseball brawls in terms of the insanity of it all, uh, I think, in the history of the game. We had another one last year at Pirates-Reds when Amir Garrett ran off the mound and kind of single-handedly charged towards the the Pirate dugout, which was a rather impressive, uh, if if not necessarily wise, thing to do. Uh, but the, the Padres and the Braves going after it again and again and again in 1984 uh, certainly on that list. All right. We said we'd have some fun today. We're trying to do that. Uh, we're also trying to continue to provide as much good information to everybody as we possibly can about everything that's going on right there. So we've got a couple of interviews sort of along those lines today. I, I really ask and encourage you to stick with these. They're, they're really thoughtful and informative and good stuff. We've got some more social media questions coming up. You guys can fire away. We'll do our best to answer baseball, April Fool's. Otherwise, also have, uh, like I said, kind of some fun, silly things uh, to try and get to in a little bit. Some baseball card content for you uh, coming up later in this program as well. But Dr. Catherine Robinson, uh, Robertson is the Padres team physician. She's also the chief of sports medicine at UC San Diego. And so obviously with all the questions kind of swirling around about what we should be doing, what we should not be doing to try and stay healthy uh, and safe in our communities, we thought she would be a fantastic person to speak to. Uh, she is a, a medical professional and, and a 
very, very well-regarded one uh, here in Southern California. So she was nice enough to join us earlier this afternoon. All right, Dr. Robertson, uh, we've heard a lot about hand washing and, and social distancing. Those seem to be the obvious things at this point, but what else can we all kind of be doing as a, as a society, as a community here to, to help keep each other and ourselves healthy? So the hand washing and social distancing are definitely the top line items. So those are the things you should think of first. And I think most of us have gotten that message. I mean, really, we're all trying to stick to the uh, shelter at home orders that we've gotten from California and some of the bigger national guidelines. Um, some of the other things to think about are, you know, avoiding touching your face. So a lot of us were just used to rubbing our eyes and our noses and touching our mouths without thinking about it. Try to stay away from that. If you have a cough, cover your coughs, cough into your sleeve, cough into your elbow. Don't shake hands. Don't high five. You know, really, unfortunately, a lot of that common contact that we're used to has to disappear at this point. Um, the other thing to think about is at least once a day, clean the surfaces in your house or wherever you're at, you know, countertops, light switches, doorknobs things that get a lot of traffic because some of those harder surfaces can harbor virus for a while, often more than 24 hours. Um, probably the harder ones that we get asked about are masks and gloves. Um, for right now, we are not recommending that people, you know, out in the public are wearing masks, whether they're in the home, out of the home. And a lot of the reason for that is that one, there's not good evidence that it actually stops the spread of the virus. And number two, we've got limited PPE. So we don't have enough equipment for the hospitals and the healthcare workers you know, who need it and are at a little bit higher risk. So for right now, unless you're sick, we're asking that you don't you know, necessarily need that mask, especially 24 seven. Um, things may change as some of the availability of these supplies go up. Everything's definitely ramped up quite a bit and we're hopeful that within the next days to weeks to months that we'll have more of those masks available. And then it may be that the recommendations change. Um, in terms of gloves, probably not really recommended at this point. And the reason, sorry, that's a dog in the background. Um, so the reason for that is that gloves, you kind of do the same things with your gloves as you do with your, um, as you do with your hands. You touch your face, you touch your nose, you do other things. And those can, those are actually a really good surface for harboring virus. So try not to use those gloves unless you're doing them for a very specific project over a very short period of time. Makes a lot of sense. Dogs and kids, by the way, become the new normal on uh, conference calls and, and interviews. So. <laughs> I'm sure you've uh, figured out by now. Nothing to apologize for. If somebody is not feeling well, um, and obviously there's varying degrees of that, but I, I think at this point with heightened sensitivities, somebody might develop a cough or a sore throat, whatever it is. Well, what's the first thing we should be doing if we're not feeling great? So the first thing is take a breath, stop, think about your symptoms, see where you're at. A lot of us have that sort of first moment of panic. You know, could I have COVID? And really, most of us with that cough and cold right now do not have COVID, at least in San Diego. And so for most patients, we're telling them, hey, you don't necessarily need to go into the ER. You don't necessarily need to go straight to the doctor's office. So if you have a cold, a runny nose, a low-grade fever, probably you can treat it just like you normally would. Treat it at home. Drink lots of fluids. Take some Tylenol if you need it. Take care of yourself. Um, probably the one thing that's changed a little bit, but it's changed for all of us is you're not going to go to work if you're sick and you're not going to go out and about and interact with people. Um, so what about those people who are having a little bit more heightened symptoms? So they may have a more persistent cough, some tightness in their chest, maybe even a little bit of a fever. That's when you may want to call your doctor and call your doctor before you go into the doctor. Um, for a lot of healthcare institutions around San Diego and around the country, we're not seeing a lot of patients face to face. What we're doing for a lot of patients, and in particular UCSD, what we're doing is we have a nurse triage line. So if you call into UCSD with a new cough or a fever, what they're going to do is they're going to ask you some questions. 
and they're going to assess your risk. So how old you are, if you have any chronic medical conditions, and they're gonna ask you a bunch of questions about your symptoms. And depending on where you fall, they may say, hey, you're really low risk, stay at home, hydrate, you know, watch some TV, relax, you'll be better in a couple of days. They may say, this sounds a little more serious. We're gonna set up a visit with a doctor, probably on the telephone or, or by a video chat. They may even say, we're gonna send you for some drive-up testing. And fortunately in San Diego, we're having more of these drive-up testing sites where you can actually go, you can get a swab done, you can get a test done, and you can have the result within a couple of days. Um, testing is not so widespread that it's any any person who has you know a sniffle gets a, gets a test, but that said, testing is becoming more and more available. And we wanna do that testing outside of the ER if we can, because the less that people are in the ER, the less likely they'll you know, be exposed to COVID and to other you know, nasty bugs that are out there. And then kind of last in those patients or those individuals who are really not feeling well, really feeling sick, if, if things aren't right, if you're having a lot of shortness of breath, if your chest is tight, if you're an older individual and you need to go to the ER, it's still okay to go to the ER, take care of yourself. A lot of really good information there from Dr. Robertson. Uh, what other kinds of things are, are you guys doing at UC San Diego that perhaps you wouldn't normally be doing just to try and you know, handle uh, not only the reality of the situation, but some of the results of the uh, reality of the situation? Yeah, so things have changed a lot and things, things change every day and every hour. Um, we're a little more settled than we were maybe two weeks ago, but that said, you know, things really evolved and you know, we've had really great leadership in the state and in San Diego and in our own institution at UCSD that's really helped us you know, tackle this enormous problem and, and so far in a pretty successful way. Uh, probably the biggest thing that's changed is that more than 50% of our patient visits are now these video visits or, you know, similar to FaceTime, similar to what we're doing right now. And so for most patients at this point, because people are still, you know, uh, having to get treatment for their diabetes, or their high blood pressure, or their cancer, or, you know, women are still pregnant, you know, so a lot of people still need a doctor for totally non-COVID related reasons. And of course, they're the people that have colds and, and may even have COVID. And so we need to keep our doors open to treat those patients. And last year, we had about 800 of those visits that took place over a, a video conference. And now we have thousands of visits every day that we're doing that. And so it's a really good way for people to get the healthcare they need, but not have to physically go into the doctor. And it's so much safer. It's a better use of resources. And it's, it's safer for the healthcare providers as well. So it's really helped. Um, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. So as you can imagine, you know, there's not a lot of sports happening right now, certainly, you know, baseball, unfortunately. And so we've kind of, we're one of those areas where we haven't been needed as much because people aren't skiing and surfing and, you know, doing all the stuff that they would normally do in San Diego. And so one of the things that we've done is we've actually worked with our emergency department to try to get most of those cases where someone has a bad ankle sprain or may have a broken finger or things like that and try to stop those patients before they come into the ER so that we can send them over to orthopedics so they can get treated directly. So again, they're not getting exposed to anything that's in the ER and we're hopefully not overworking our ER staff and making sure that we get those sicker patients taken care of as soon as possible. Makes a lot of sense and, and kind of neat to hear how the medical community is coming together, working together to try and do things a little bit differently than normal. Uh, last thing for you, doctor, uh, in, in terms of people who want to help out, aside from keeping ourselves healthy, aside from being good citizens, good neighbors, and you know, keeping distance, you know, that kind of thing. If, if people are thinking, hey, I want to be doing something to be helping, whether it's helping the community at large or helping the medical community, uh, what, what, what are some things we can do? Yeah, so number one is really what you just said. Stay home, keep yourself safe, follow the guidelines. It, I think it's kind of hard to people it's, or hard on people to hear, hey, don't do anything. That's the best thing you can do because everyone wants to help. And 
I think we've all really seen the community come together at this time of crisis, but number one, stay home. Uh, number two, if you're able to or want to, think about donating blood. Um, we've heard from the San Diego Blood Bank, from the Red Cross, they are really short on the blood supply right now. And kind of like I was saying, people are still breaking their legs and having surgery for cancers and, and having babies. And so people still need blood transfusions. And right now there aren't a lot of people giving blood and now's a really good time to do it if, if you're someone who's healthy enough and may want to consider it. Um, lots of medical charities and hospitals are looking for donations. Um, in particular, we've reached out and the community has really, you know, come up with some amazing donations in terms of some of the PPE, the, the personal protective equipment. We've gotten masks from construction companies and gloves and masks, excuse me, and gowns. And we've gotten donations of food for our nurses. And, and we've just been amazed by how generous the community is being. And if you are a company or an individual who has any of these, you know, really needed resources, feel free to look on you know, any of the local websites or is it health.ucsd.edu and we could really use the help. And then probably the last one that we can all kind of do is you know, think about reaching out to an older neighbor or a relative, someone you know that may not have a lot of help. Uh, maybe don't go to their house, but give them a call, see if there's something that you can do for them, see if you can pick up food for them, see if you can just spend a few minutes talking to them, making them feel a little less isolated. You know, This is really a time to hopefully you know, build and and enhance our community in a, a time that's not so great, trying to kind of make some some positive strides um, during that time. Yeah, very, very nice. Well, Dr. Katherine Robertson, thanks for all the work you're doing, your colleagues, everybody in the San Diego medical community, obviously heroes on the front line right now of this uh, particular situation. Uh, keep up the great work and thanks for taking a couple of minutes to, to chat with us and give us some great info. Thank you. In from uh, UC San Diego Health, uh, the Padres team physician, and a lot of um, interesting stuff there it just kind of stood out to me. Just, I mean, I know nothing about medicine or how it all works, but sort of fascinating. They're trying to, you know, reroute people who might come to the ERs, you know, with a, a broken leg or a broken finger or something like that, send them to the orthopedic, uh, you know, area of the hospital away from the emergency room to try and uh, do everything they can. Makes a lot of sense. A lot of very smart people making uh, big time decisions. She also mentioned blood donation. We'll have a little bit more about that uh, and some info from the San Diego Blood Bank coming up in a few minutes as well. So that is sort of the uh, Padres social hour health update, uh, at least for this April 1st. Uh, Bill, we don't want to forget completely, you know, what's going on. Not that we could, I guess. Uh, but uh, Jesse, I think Dr. Robertson's talk right there was one of the best I've heard on the subject and what you can do and what you shouldn't do in a short span that I've heard. That was excellent. That should yeah. be repeated. Yeah. Brilliant position. We'll, we'll blast that video all over the place, obviously. Uh, you know, share it with your friends and your family. Just send them the link, you know, that you're watching right now. They'll be able to, to, to watch it on demand later. But I agree. I mean, she was stellar. A lot of great info and uh, a good uh, bedside manner, you know, to use, I guess, a medical cliche as well. You know, I mean, she seems very calm about the whole thing and it made me feel better, honestly. Uh, me too. Excellent. That was an excellent, excellent report. One of the best I've seen on the subject. Very nice. All right. So uh, more on the uh, blood donation situation. That's also kind of a critical thing uh, around the country right now. Coming up in a few minutes, back to baseball, though, a couple of pieces of news uh, came out of uh, the world of MLB today, one of which is that the uh, baseball officially canceled that London series. I think this year was going to be the Cubs and the Cardinals. 
Frankly, I'll be honest, I thought this had already been canceled, but I guess today they made it official. Uh, last year, of course, it was the Yankees and the Red Sox. That building could not hold either team. The uh, former Royals uh, were there, not the Kansas City kind. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but the Yankees and Red Sox combined for like 300 runs in that in that series. Uh, played at West Ham's ground, which I think is the old Olympic Stadium. Uh, cool spectacle. Certainly a neat thing playing games uh, in London. Padres, of course, were supposed to play in Mexico City a couple of weeks from now against the Diamondbacks. That had previously been canceled. I think the Marlins had a series in Puerto Rico that had been canceled. And now officially there will be no London games this year. Not that that is any surprise whatsoever. What do you make, though, Bill, of of the way MLB keeps kind of uh, stretching its tentacles beyond the borders of the United States? Oh, I I like taking games to foreign lands. I I really think that more... The world knows about baseball, the better all of us are. Just think about how much you miss baseball right now and how much you're thinking back to memories of baseball. It's part of our life. No question about it. The the racing. I saw Winston Churchill there. I didn't get uh, quickly. I, I don't think I noticed that last year that they had like a sausage race or an anchorman type race at the games in London. That's very funny. <laughs> saw that right in the middle. I almost cracked up in the middle of what I was trying to say. Uh, 17-13 in that one game, as we talked about the uh, the run-scoring environment in London. Not an altitude thing, by the way, like Denver. It was more about the dimensions uh, of the yard, if you will, the ground. Uh, the other thing I saw today, and this was uh, a pretty remarkable, Shin Su Chu, who at this point has had a very long uh, major league career with the Texas Rangers. Not only is he uh, writing a $200,000 check uh, to uh, South Korea, I don't know if it was the government particularly or just you know an aid uh, organization in South Korea to help with everything going on there, He's also apparently sending $1,000 to about 190 different minor leaguers. That's all of them in the Rangers system. Uh, you know, $1,000 a pop, you say, okay, that's nice. How much could it help? First of all, every bit helps, you know, for a lot of these guys. Secondly, that's almost $200,000 uh, to minor league players that, that Chin Su Chu is giving out of his own pocket. That is a uh, stellar bit of, uh, of being a teammate right there. I saw that this morning, and I almost got teary-eyed when I saw it. That, I think that is one of the more special things I've seen in this whole situation. Uh, I, I give him extremely high marks. And the neat thing, too, I mean, if you want to kind of spool it forward a little bit and think about it, like now that Shin Su Chu has done that, he's not going to be the last, you don't think. No. I, I think it. I think he sort of puts a challenge out to a lot of players that, hey, this is a time – you're making great moments, some of these guys, a lot of these guys. This is a time to give back. And some of these minor leaguers, I mean, Major League Baseball is talking about $400 a month. That's not much to get by on. I think this was a huge way to get something rolling from other players. Yeah, it was really, really nice. All right, uh, we're going to go back to the, the serious matter at hand for a moment. Uh, then we're going to do some April Fool stuff. Uh, nothing obnoxious, I promise. Just kind of looking back at, at some other April Fool stuff uh, from elsewhere. But we mentioned blood donations, still a really big issue here uh, in San Diego County. Uh, Claudine Van Gonka from San Diego Blood Bank was nice enough to talk to us earlier today. Kind of give us the 411, all the information about what they've got going on right now and why they're such an important part of everything that's taking place. All right. Well, obviously, this is still a vital part of our community and the health of our community. So, Claudine, first of all, thank you for joining us. Thank you for all the work you do in this community. How are you guys going about business right now? How are things? 
Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Um, it's an interesting time at the San Diego Blood Bank. So recently, we were in a situation where we did not have enough blood. Um, we were in a situation where people weren't coming out, mobile drives were being canceled um, because schools weren't in session, churches weren't congregating, people were telecommuting. So we started into a shortage. Um, but we put the plea out, you know, we put the word out to our community, to our donors, through the local media, and people have really been coming to the table and donating blood. So I'm happy to say that nationally, the blood supply is stable. We're doing well now. Um, but what we're asking people to do is to make appointments for the future. And we are only taking appointments right now. But to make an appointment, like, say, for the next three weeks or so, so we can keep that supply steady through the pandemic. Very nice. And I imagine a lot of people watching this, maybe they're regular blood donors, maybe they're not. They're thinking to themselves, okay, I'm not supposed to leave the house right now. So what kind of stuff are you all doing to make sure that, you know, safety is of the highest priority? Yeah, exactly. So we have been deemed an essential community service. So we are going to stay open, you know, through the whole pandemic. Um, but we are taking a lot of new precautions. So before you're even allowed in the door at one of our donor centers or mobile drives, you get your temperature taken. Uh, we ask a bunch of questions about where you've traveled, how you're feeling for the day. And then when you go in, everything is wiped down before you use it. The pens, the folders, uh, the tables, and you're sitting six feet apart from anybody who might be in the lobby with you. Our donor beds are now six feet apart, so you're not that close to other donors. And when you're done and you go into our canteen, which is where you get your snacks after your donation, all of those tables and chairs are six feet apart as well. We're wiping down tables, chairs, and donor beds on a regular basis to keep everybody clean and happy. Very, very, very nice to see that, obviously. Where can people go uh, around the county? I know there's a lot of locations. Is everything pretty much status quo? Yeah, we do have six locations around San Diego County to make it easy for everyone. And we actually just opened up two new pop-up locations. So they're temporary donor centers. One is in Liberty Station behind Panera Bread. And the other one is actually at Society Brewing in Kearney Mesa off of Claremont Mesa Boulevard. And uh, all the locations and, and the mobile drives that we are having can all be found at SanDiegoBloodBank.org. SanDiegoBloodBank.org. That's uh, an important website to remember. Am um, I correct in saying O positive, O negative in particular? If uh, if you are so lucky uh, that you'd be a wonderful person to donate at the moment? Absolutely. So, you know, like I say, the, the supply is steady. However, always the O's are the ones we need the most. Out of, out of all the types right now, we could use the O's the most. And that's O negative is the universal donor. So anyone can receive that type of blood. Um, and O positive is the most popular type. So it's used the most in hospitals. And that's why we need that type so much. As far as how often people can go and that kind of stuff, the, the usual particulars, I guess, when it comes to, to blood donation, just throw out that information so everybody's as informed as possible, if you don't mind. Sure. So if you're going to do a whole blood donation, which is your typical standard blood donation, you can do that every eight weeks. If you'd like to donate plasma, which they use a lot for burn victims, you can do that every four weeks. And then if you want to come even more often, you can donate platelets, which is a component of blood that's used um, oftentimes in chemotherapy for cancer patients. You can donate platelets every two weeks. All right, Claudine, thank you so much for all the great information. Also, all the work you guys are doing, all those precautions you're taking uh, to try and keep this thing running. It is, as we said, just a, an imperative part of community health, and it, it should not be forgotten about with everything else uh, that's going on right now. Uh, best wishes to you, your family, and everybody you work with. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much. That's Claudine Van Gunka from the San Diego Blood Bank. One other thing she wanted to pass along was if you're interested in volunteering, they certainly could use some volunteers and get the information to do that at their website, sandiegobloodbank.org. 
lot of good medical information today. We're no one-trick ponies, Bill, uh, trying to pass along the, uh, the the critical stuff here. Uh, just that kind of, you know, ever-present reminder. There's a, a lot happening in the world right now, and we want to be a part of that uh, while also trying to d- distract you a little bit and arguing over things like uh, which player do you most love to hate? Two excellent segments. Hey, I think I made a mistake earlier. I said $400 a month on minor leaguers. I think it's 400 a week. Yeah. Yeah, 400 a week, uh, I think, was the, the number that had been uh, settled on from now until whenever their season starts. Right. Uh, and uh, so, again, those Ranger guys getting a $1,000 check, that's a nice, you know, something, you know, from, from Shinsu Chu, certainly, and uh, nice piece of news to be able to pass along. All right, let's have some April Fool's fun. Uh, Bill, uh, there is probably one baseball-related April Fool's gag that stands above the rest. Uh, if you think about time and place and where it occurred in terms of what publication it was in, you go back to April of, I think, 1985, Sports Illustrated, SI, which, of course, at the time is, you know, the, the biggest thing going in national sports periodicals, published a story about Sid Finch, written by no other than George Plimpton, you know, one of the most well-regarded, uh, brilliant writers of that time. And it's about this guy who pitches with one shoe, is in spring training with the Mets, uh, can throw 160 miles an hour or something like that. He plays a French horn. He does yoga. You look back at the story now, and I did this morning. I read it every couple of years, and it's like laughably unrealistic. And yet, in April of 1985, when people had a different relationship, I think, with uh, the media than perhaps we do now, uh, they read this thing, and they believed it. A lot of people believed it, that this was a thing. My gosh, the Mets have unearthed this wacky guy who plays the French horn and can throw 150, 160 miles per hour. Absolutely, but it wasn't that far removed from, say, a Mark Fit. It was a classic April Fool's prank. But, the, yeah, and when you read it now, yes, you 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 get it. But uh, War of the Worlds fooled a lot of people back in Halloween in the 40s. Yeah, that, that's kind of the other thing that comes to mind because it, it's – uh, a, a fake thing presented in a real way. And again, now I think we're all so cynical that nothing like that could ever pass muster. Uh, but, you know, when, when people truly had a reason to trust, uh, you know, outlets like that, and they did uh, somewhat blindly, perhaps at times, uh, you know, you, you can you can cause some trouble. And that's exactly what Sports Illustrated did. Obviously a harmless thing. I mean, you're just talking about a, a freakishly talented right-handed pitcher, but uh, nonetheless, just brilliant stuff that they were able to pull that off. But you wanted to believe there was a Sid Finch out there. That was yes. the other thing that really every baseball fan wanted to believe somebody like that existed. All right. So that was like uh, 35 uh, years ago or thereabouts. One I saw today going around on social media, uh, it was credited in the tweet I saw, and I didn't track down the veracity or the realistic uh, nature of the thing. But it said it was from the Tupelo Daily Journal uh, in Tupelo, Mississippi. They have fine honey there. Uh, and it was a transaction list in the newspaper today in the in the sports page. Or maybe this was from another year. I'm not sure. Nonetheless, April 1st transactions. And if you start reading this thing, it's, it's all guys from movies. Uh, so the Indians signed catcher Jake Taylor, of course, from Major League. And Rick Vaughn, a.k.a. Wild Thing. Roger <laughs> Dorn, Willie Mays Hayes, Pedro Serrano, Ed Harris to one-year contracts. Lou Brown was named the manager. Uh, Billy Chapel for Love of the Game, that movie, announced his retirement from the Tigers. Uh, the New York Knights from the Natural signed outfielder Roy Hobbs. Uh, Sid <laughs> Finch is in there. Uh, Nuka Lush, uh, gets called up finally uh, to play uh, for Tampa Bay. 
Uh, it's kind of a, a fun thing. You see Crash Davis becomes uh, the manager of the Vesalia team here in the Cal League. Uh, I thought that was cute. And again, I don't know if that's a couple of years old, but I saw it going around today. And that's that's good, fine, old-fashioned April Fool's humor. I can deal with that right now. I can't deal with like the the, the big pranks with everything going on. I didn't want to hear yeah. any of that today. That's irresponsible. Yeah. Back in in 1968, when I first started with the paper, there was an intern who, on April Fool's, ran the uh, under the uh, uh, vital statistics they used to run: divorce, Mick versus Minnie, Daisy versus Donald, uh, <laughs> and that actually made the print edition. Not intentionally, I'm guessing. Oh, it was intentional. <laughs> it's good. I like that. I kind of like that. All right. Uh, were you ever a baseball card collector, Bill? Yes. Yes. And I am one of those people. Honestly, when I was in the service, my mother tossed all of them. And uh, I never, I mean, I forgave her, of course, but I could never understand why. But when I came back, I had like six shoe boxes and they were all gone. I, I've heard that from so many people. I think my dad, same thing. You know, his mom threw him out, you know, when he went off to college or whatever it was. Uh, I, I have a lot of mine somewhere. I was into it, not necessarily to the level of like some other people that I've met over the years, um, but I, I was super into it. I kind of did what I could from a card collection standpoint. But uh, Tops is doing a cool thing now. And the Padres tweeted about it basically with no baseball going on. It's like, hey, send us your uh, send us your favorite cards. Look at that beautiful. I love grant. that one. Yeah, use uh, the hashtag tops together. Uh, you can reply to the Padre tweet that they sent out earlier today at Padres. And uh, tomorrow we'll feature some of the cards that you guys have uh, that uh, you want to throw out there. Cool Jerry Coleman card. That's awesome. Well, that's that's a great wow, that's stellar. Um, so yeah, tweet us your cards. Use that hashtag tops together. And uh, on tomorrow's show with Mark Grant, who's featured there in an 89 tops. I know that it's 89 because that was the only complete set I ever had. That was it. That was the only time I ever got a complete set was my grandparents gave it to me in 1989. So I remember what they look like with that, with that cursive writing. There's a Donruss 90 Tony Gwynn. I remember that one very nicely. So yeah, tweet us your cards. We'll have some fun with that. And uh, we'll go over those tomorrow with Mark Grant and uh, Mud's great with that kind of thing, because he's probably got a story like that connects to every single one of the guys we're going to show. Absolutely. Uh, no, tomorrow you won't have enough time to get it all in. <laughs> Well, the good thing is we go as long as we want on this show. So I'm going to do it. For the day. That's right. You we'll know. be back uh, tomorrow at 530. All right. We're coming up here and I uh, got a couple of minutes left. So if you guys want to fire some questions at Bill uh, or anybody else, uh, please do that. We'll put those up. Also, a reminder uh, that Fox Sports San Diego is airing another game from last season coming up less than an hour from now at seven o'clock. Uh, Cal Quantrill doing his thing. It was a baseball night in San Diego last July against uh, Sean Anderson and the San Francisco Giants, so they'll be replaying this game. Like, I, I don't know how much of, like, a spoiler thing I want to do here, but, like, it was a game that already happened, so I don't, you know, I, I feel like I can say anything, right? But it's right. the thing I remember from this game, and I think the, the most memorable thing that happened in this game was that Anderson in the fifth inning kind of buzzed Fernando's tower, and then Tatis came back and homered, um, I believe, on the very next pitch. So, like, for all of that, it's worth watching this game in addition to just, you know, feeling like you get to, to watch a game, which is pretty cool. And it was neat because when, when I talked to Fernando, I think it was in spring training this year, and asked him sort of what he learned and everything like that. He specifically brought this up, um, and, and he said, you know, what had happened to him. I don't remember if he said it was in the minors or maybe in winter ball the year before, and he said he got too excitable. He got too big after somebody buzzed his tower, and I think he swung and missed at the next pitch, something like that. You can go find the interview if you you know want the exact information. But he said he remembered that, 
in that game in July against the Giants that, all right, I need to calm down a little bit, handle this my own way. And uh, sure enough, he sends the next one over the fence, which is probably about as good a feeling as a baseball player can have this side of a walk-off. Uh, you know, Tatis is already somebody who I think Padre fans are are just so excited about. And I agree with them totally. I think that the next, however many years here are going to be some of the more exciting times in Padre land. Yeah. And uh, hopefully a lot of years, as far as I'm concerned, right. speaking for myself, hopefully a lot Absolutely. of years. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. All right, Bill, we've sort of been uh, having some fun with everybody who comes on. Do you have anything cool hanging on your wall there before we let you go? Uh, on my wall, I've got a picture of stars and stripes from the 1986 America's cup, uh, down in Australia, which I covered. Uh, I've got a, uh, newspaper right behind me, uh, newspaper, uh, the story of, uh, did on, uh, Trevor Hoffman, 479th save. Got some pictures of my grandkids. That's pretty good. I don't have much memorabilia in my office. No, it's nice though. It's uh, it's 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 a nice little gallery wall you have there. And uh, I was wondering what the newspaper was. That's what I couldn't see. So it's Trevor. Okay, it's Very Trevor cool. Hoffman's four seventy nine. Yeah, you know what I have? I have pumpkins. A lot of pumpkins. And I know the pumpkins. I see them. Yeah, that's really I love like it. Yeah, and oh, we got a new hat. That's right. Geekster noticed it. I was wondering if anybody was going to notice. I dressed up one of the pumpkins. Dressed gotcha. up one of the pumpkins. This is if how I we're going to tonight's show. That's, be that's able to see my collection of bobbleheads behind my bulbous body. Very nice. What's your favorite bobblehead? Uh, my favorite bobblehead, the one actually, it's the one they did years ago at Petco Park. That's uh, I love that one. Love the one they did last year of uh, Tony Gwynn, Caminetti. I think that might have been the year before. Yeah, yeah, that uh, all together and that that line of bobbleheads. I've got that one too. Yeah, for the ninety-eight anniversary a couple of years ago, they did the series of guys. Right, right. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. All right. Well, that uh, that's that's what I got. Um, thank you, Bill, for hanging out. Uh, thank you for making this a, a part of your day. We appreciate it. Oh, I love it. Excellent. And, and thanks to everybody else uh, who joined us, including, of course, uh, Dr. Robertson from UC San Diego, Claudine Van Gonka from the San Diego Blood Bank. And again, pass those interviews along if you would. I think, you know, a lot of great information there about keeping our community uh, as safe and healthy as is possible. Hope we we're able to distract you, give you a little bit of a taste of normalcy uh, for the last little while here. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, as mentioned, Mark Grant is going to join us. Uh, we'll be live at 530 on all the usual social channels. Big thank you to Budweiser and Petco uh, for helping to make all of this possible. Uh, we love you guys out there and we're just trying to, you know, do our best to, to move things along a little bit. We know uh, everybody's got a little bit of cabin fever, just kind of being uh, stuck inside as we are as important as that is. So that will do it. We'll give you a uh, nice look at the ballpark, the place we all wish we were. Although I guess the Padres are supposed to have a day game today, uh, getaway day, ending the first homestand, obviously would have gone seven and zero against the Rockies and the uh, Braves. We'd be uh, on an airplane right now, I guess, headed to Denver. Uh, for uh, a weekend series against the Rockies. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Anyhow, that is Petco Park. It is beautiful. I hope we are all there as soon as possible. Talk to you tomorrow at 5.30 with Mud and, yes, quite likely his dog, Butter. Have a good night.